Hey everyone, welcome to the final episode of Career Focus Season 1. Today I sit down with my good friend and coworker Renee Dominguez, who unpacks what it means to be experiencing imposter syndrome and ways to manage it going forward. Renee had experience now working for a software company as a diversity, equity, and inclusion specialist. But before that, he's pivoted from various industries and functions to get where he's at. He talks about his story and times that he's experienced imposter syndrome. And then we talk about ways that you can be an effective ally as well, especially with him being in the diversity space. This is going to be a great episode to listen to if you're someone that is looking to be a good ally for minority groups, if you are directly part of those groups, and or if you're looking to break through some anxiety and discomfort that you have about your own career. So I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Thanks for listening to our conversation today, as well as all the other chats that I've had previously. Looking forward to more. Renee, thanks for joining me on Career Focus today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I know that you've been a podcast guest before and you've led different workshops and stuff. I would love for you to share a little bit about your career and life story. I've done several different things. I've done education. I was an assistant volleyball coach, to be specific. With that flexibility, I was always able to dabble in other things, specifically to my hometown where I'm from in Laredo, Texas. Import-export is pretty much the biggest uh, thing for work there, aside from education and uh, federal agents. So I always uh, dabbled in several things, and I was able to be a logistics coordinator for import-export companies and also a dispatch person for trucking freight companies. Always just very hectic, fast-paced jobs, which were always fun and learned a lot of things. And then eventually I got into hotel management, which was pretty different, but I think a lot of just customer service in general is a very transferable skill. So I think having that was a good foundation. And then I think from volleyball, coordinating, recruiting, creating programming and being on top of students, was just very beneficial and was able to transfer some of those skills to some of these other positions. And what I do currently, I first started in workplace experience in tech when I came to Austin. And then through that, being part of workplace experience, we also supported a lot of the culture initiatives. And eventually we grew our employee resource groups from grassroots efforts. And I was able to be a part of that since the beginning. And from that, I was able to transition my career into the DEI space, which I am very passionate about. And I'm really enjoying learning and supporting and just, you know, paying it forward. It just feels very good and it's very rewarding work. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm really loving DEI and everything that comes with it. Well, thanks for sharing your story. It's so interesting interviewing a coworker like you. You and I have known each other for over two years now and have worn multiple hats. And a couple of the hats that you just mentioned, currently doing DEI work and previously being part of the workplace experience team, I can see some of your previous experience that you just alluded to being a volleyball coach. I've seen you in a fast-paced environment. Working with import-export, it's very operational in nature, which is the same as workplace experience a little bit too. And working in hospitality where you're very customer-centric, workplace experience, you're very much part of the onboarding experience and making sure that folks like myself that were coming into the company felt welcome and included and excited about being there. And so it's so interesting hearing your story and knowing that I've seen different elements from your past coming into your present. Just a little side note there, but it's super cool to, to hear your story and know a little bit about it from an insider's perspective too. 
No, for sure. And it, it really helps for what we're speaking about today to have that perspective from a person to be able to see you transition and have seen you just appreciate it is what I have to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're welcome. So today, Renee, you and I are going to talk about imposter syndrome and your experience with it. But a lot of people have heard of imposter syndrome, but don't necessarily know what it means. In your own words, how would you define it? Well, yeah, in my own words, it's basically the feeling succeeding, doing something. And then also once you've accomplished it or you you're getting there, you just completed whatever your goal was. It's almost this feeling of, do I really deserve this? Did I work hard enough for this? No, like this was just luck. It's that inner voice that just creates that constant doubt. And for me, I feel like it also leads to anxiety. You know, it creates that anxious feeling, which is not nice. So it, it's really important to know what this is. So you can really be like, oh, that's what I'm feeling. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I would describe it. Your inner imposter. That's what it is. Definitely. And I think it's probably a lack of confidence in knowing what you're doing. Or even if you feel a little bit anxious, you lack confidence. What are other ways that people might be experiencing imposter syndrome? Or is it only people at certain levels or at certain stages of their career? Talk a little bit about the demographic of who has imposter syndrome. Yeah. So I do try to avoid syndrome, but it is, it, it's a good word. I, I have to call it an inner imposter now because I feel like syndrome almost makes it feel like this is a phenomenon or it's not a real thing, but it is. And to answer your question, I used to think, oh, I don't have this, but I had the feeling and I just didn't have the words for it. Mm -hmm. But when I learned what this was and that there was a name for it, I learned that this is, this is something that I've probably experienced other times, but I just kept pushing away, mm -hmm. but can't be the only one that feels this. And obviously learning and growing in my career, I was able to see and connect on people that, and ask people about the topic. And I really learned through going through a workshop myself to help address the issue, I learned that anybody can get this. Anybody can feel this at any level. You could be early on in your career. You could be a mid-level manager, an entry-level manager. You could be in the C-suite. You could be a CEO of a company. And it, it's very humbling to see. And I've seen CEOs and different people in different areas of their careers all admit to the same thing of feeling a certain way. They weren't deserving. They were an imposter. And maybe it was just luck. But yeah, it's one of those things that you're like, wow, I'm not alone. And everybody is feeling this in some shape or form level. And it also presents itself very differently in others. Like I said, for me, it's a lot of anxiety and self-doubt. And Dan, you know me, I'm usually the opposite of that. I'm usually just very confident. And right. so that's not me. Another thing that might also, it shows maybe in procrastinating and putting things off because you feel like, like it's not me or like, I'm not really doing this. And I think I started to notice that I would start to procrastinate on certain things as well. So it'll definitely show up in different ways or forms, mm -hmm. other types of stress. You might not be able to sleep. So it can really take a, a toll on your mental health if you really don't check this. Absolutely. And anyone that might be a consistent follower of the show, they probably have heard in episode nine where I talked about storytelling with Doug Thompson. For those that might be first-time listeners, he is a TEDx speaker and keynote speaker. He's been doing it for a long time. Even he was saying that he's experienced imposter syndrome before. He called it his inner bully. It's very similar. Regardless of the stage that you're on, the platform that you have, the project you're working on, the work relationships that you're forced to build, I think you hit the nail on the head, Renee. Just about anybody can feel it. And it feels different to everyone. But I think in a nutshell, would you agree that it's 
essentially lacking confidence in order to do your job or take advantage of an opportunity that's available to you? A hundred percent. That's a good way to put it. It also might be feeling an opportunity that should be coming up your way or is coming your way. You might feel, oh, I'm not ready for that, which you probably are if other people are mm -hmm. seeing this. You, for example, my most recent personal experience with this, and you happen to be a major part of the story, even without knowing, <laughs> after doing the workshop with this company called Four Under Three, they tasked us with, well, when have you felt this way? And these are how it feels. And they gave us the tools just to be better and how to combat it. And for me, newer to the DEI space, obviously I'm midway through my career. And even though I felt very proud of everything I had done and built from the ground up in our company, coming from zero ERG groups to starting with women and then now having four and now adding a fifth, we have pride, POC, mm -hmm. a neurodiverse, we're adding caregivers. I was asked to speak for that meetup. It was a DEI topic was what the focus was for that. And I thought, what do I have to say here? And I didn't know it then, but it was that inner saboteur, that inner imposter, just deflecting and being like, oh, like you're reaching out to the wrong person. But they looked at what I had been doing and what I had accomplished and how I had been successful in transitioning my career from workplace to DEI and creating programs from grassroots efforts where there was no actual funding and support or initiative or directive from top-down leadership. It was very much employees who were like, we want this, let's get this, can we do this? So once they confirmed, yeah, it's you, we want you to speak. I was like, sure, I'll do this. And I, I remember being very specific. I think they were just expecting me to have my own deck and just be like, hey, talk about what you've done. And I think I remember I was like, hey, well, I will speak to this, but only if we do it in, in like an interview style. I'm good at presenting, but I think this would be more effective. And I think that was just my inner self have, having done fireside chats internally with the company and seeing how effective they were. I was like, I feel like this conversation needs that justice. And with that, I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I felt good. But I still had that inner saboteur and that inner imposter affecting me because I didn't share this with anybody. I didn't tell anybody, hey, I'm going to go speak at this. I didn't publicize it. I was posted on a web page and it, it's a big event. So I was just like, I'll keep this session. And if I do terrible, nobody will know. But if I do great, then I'll be able to share. And then obviously day of the event, I show up, I'm ready. And then I see you, Dan, <laughs> who is my coworker. And now I'm like, okay, the pressure is on. <laughs> I have to do excellent. I will say though, seeing you that day, even though I felt, well, somebody's going to see this, it was comforting because I was like, I've, I've spoken to Dan before. He knows a lot about me and we've had a lot of meetings and we've had to do this. So anyway, long story short, I got up there, did the interview. I always try to speak from the heart and to things that I believe in and things that I'm passionate about. I hope that always comes through. And I think it went so well. And I remember coming off that high and off that presentation and you were saying, wow, Renee, I, that was a really great presentation. And you took several photos, I remember. And mm -hmm. you said a lot of people were note-taking and very engaged. And I remember feeling glad, like I could see that. But when you're up there, you're not taking it all in. You're just more worried about answering the questions and doing well. Mm -hmm. So to tie that back into the story is, I'm glad that you took those photos of me speaking because part of the exercise to, to battle uh, for the webinar that we were hosting was 
to share a photo of when you felt an like an imposter or when you felt super powerful to help combat your imposter. And what was unique to my story was that for me, I was experiencing it all. And it was also a full circle moment for me. And the group at four under three really liked my story and invited me to do their podcast. And they said it was the first time they've invited an attendee to be part of the podcast just because they really loved how honest I was with my perception of and my dealing with imposter syndrome. So for me in that photo now is something that I can always look back to and be like, okay, you've done this. You are not an imposter. You know your subject matter. You put in the work. You obviously have gotten here and done all the work to get here and you're deserving of this. So that, and thank you, I, it really helps me. And I do have that photo saved. And whenever I start to have that self-doubt, I can always look back at that photo and be like, nope, you got this. You know what you're talking about. You've done this before. Just be you, stand up for yourself, voice your opinions and thoughts, and always pay it forward. I always like to help whenever I can and for people coming up in their careers and any advice I can give. So, Such a good example. And for personal reasons, I'm so glad to be part of the story that you have to tell around your experience with imposter syndrome. I want to call out a strategy that you use that is so impactful to anyone that's experiencing it is in order for you to break through any imposter syndrome or build your own confidence in a situation where you're not feeling so hot about yourself, think back to a time when you did succeed or when something went well, whether it was by surprise or not. And you were talking about how the photo that I took and shared with you is a reminder to you now going forward, anytime that you're presenting or something and you're not feeling great about things, you look back at that photo and it's a reminder to you that, no, like I'm Renee, I can do this. I've done it before. And it's challenging your inner imposter to prove it, so to speak. And I think that's such a great example. And I will also testify that you did do a great job at that event. I went, I think, to connect with the vendor that we use at our company, which was yes. hosting the event. And I was so pleasant surprised to see a coworker of mine exemplify the company really well, but also like yourself, I'm passionate about career growth and development. And to see someone that I know that I also happen to work with experience that type of growth in a situation like that and having it go really well, I think speak the volume to your ability to captivate audiences and be credible too, like especially in the DEI space. Fortunately, we work for a company that provides opportunities for folks to feel included and they're part of a, a sense of community that's not always just about the work that we're doing, but it's also about the personalities and the personal elements to our lives that we can bring to work. And I think that you're, for anyone listening out there, I think Renee is the, the perfect example of the type of person that should lead something like that. And I think that shined through. So I know I'm singing your praises here, but appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, to build on that, I never used to have that tool before. And I can always look back and I'm like, how did I used to combat this? And I think another important call out is that we all experience this, right? And it could be for different reasons, whether we're not confident or sometimes our parents weren't like our biggest cheerleaders. And there could be, you know, I'm not here to therapize anybody. Things like that really shape how we feel and combat things. And I think being a person of color, Hispanic, Latino, realize for me, I think what helped me before, before I knew that this was an actual thing and I can use other tools and weapons was more of that fear of failure. And then you add that other layer of you're a person of color. So you felt that extra pressure. And I think another thing we need to do a better job of in these imposter feelings and talks is that the role that historically marginalized communities face, you feel it at a different level because you add that 
second layer of systemic racism that has existed historically in our country. And that too hinders that feeling of, did I get here because I'm good at my job? It, I was also very pressured to like succeed because I am a minority. And mm -hmm. I think at least for managers or people who are battling this, if you ever lead a team or a person, if you feel like this is hard for you or has been, it's important to feel like this people of color and, and people that have been historically marginalized or discriminated against are probably feeling the same things and probably at a more intense level just because of those mm -hmm. reasons. So I feel like that is another thing that we need to be cognizant of, I think. And, it, and I think we'd all be better and benefit from, from knowing that and just in battling it as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great segue. I want folks out there to learn a little bit more about the DEI space that you're in on a daily basis. I've talked before in previous episodes about being an effective ally to different minority groups. Whether you feel like you're directly part of that community or you simply just want to be an ally, I'd love to hear in, in your own words, what motivates you to not only be an ally in that space, but also a leader since that's part of your job? Yeah, it's easy for me from, from being a person that has had to experience, obviously, the hurdles of racism and things like that. It, it makes it easy for me to be passionate and care about it because I don't want anybody, regardless of whatever their uniqueness is about them. I hate to say like a difference is because at the end of the day, we're all human, but I do feel like that's what keeps me passionate and going. And there's days where it's heavy work. There's times where you're like, huh, oh, like I can't believe this day and age, like we're still struggling with this and dealing with this. But then it also just keeps me motivated. And it's like, no, this is why my work is so important and why I'm so passionate because there's obviously long ways to go and you know with the uncertain political climate we're in where there's shifts and back and forth of some ridiculous things but that's you know a topic for another day but it can really take a toll on people and for example for me just knowing that i can support any type of group whether it's women whether it's men whether it's lgbtq or a person of color just being able to hold space for them and make them feel safe at work i think it's just just a beautiful thing and feeling and not just the right thing to do. I feel that I've seen people just be so thankful and grateful that we have this kind of space at our company. And it really just shows and speaks volumes of how much better we will perform at our jobs in our personal lives. And yeah, like DI is not just the right thing to do. It makes total business sense. There's total science that backs up how it'll just make companies that much more profitable and also a nice place to work. Definitely. Yeah. And especially when it, the tech environment that we're in, which is similar to some other industries, it's primarily dominated by white men. But I think the opportunity that's in play now, especially with a little bit more equitable opportunity to education and ways to build experience, and there are various nonprofits that support this. If you're someone that maybe feels some of the things that you alluded to earlier, Renee, about you feel like you're in the room just because you're a minority, or maybe you feel like you won't be given the same opportunity because you're a minority. All the more reason to continue to stay motivated because a lot of good, strong organizations out there, like ours, for example, we need more people that are part of minority groups to help us essentially change the world, you know? And so I'm just curious, like if you're anyone that is part of minority or even if you're just an ally, how would you recommend folks build a sense of belonging and inclusion so that folks have equitable opportunity across industries? Yeah, that, that's a good call out. Importantly, I want to say, I think we're very fortunate 
specific to our company that our C-suite is over 50% women. So that's a good call out. Obviously, internally, we're still more a white male-led company, but we're definitely making changes and putting all of these things in place to just make it better for everyone. But to answer your question, the biggest thing is our people, ourselves. It, is it awesome that our companies can support this? But internally, even if there wasn't a DEI person in your company or an ERG group, being an ally just because you identify as somebody or somebody in your family is a, a member of a certain community, whether it's a woman, a neurodiverse person, LGBTQ, the allyship is we, we wouldn't be anywhere without our allies helping us advocate and make the landscape better for everyone and more equitable. And we need more allies, whether it's men, white, like it doesn't matter, anybody who doesn't identify to support. And the other thing to call out is allyship is not just saying you're an ally or saying that you have nothing against a certain group isn't enough. That is not a true ally. A true ally will speak up and even take action because they understand how uncomfortable it can be for somebody experiencing any type of discrimination. So if you're an ally, sometimes I know it might be difficult. You don't know when to speak up. It's not sometimes about what you say. It's just saying something. And if you feel you're a man or a person of a few words, man or woman, like I said, just saying like, hey, that's not right. Voicing your opinion is a good step forward. And obviously doing some of the education, getting educated on things that you don't understand is always going to be great because I guarantee you a lot of the things we don't understand are very simple and mm -hmm. very basic in human nature to understand. So yeah, I, I really do want to challenge people to get more mm -hmm. involved in allyship because it is very important. And I said, mm -hmm. it's not good enough to just say you're an ally. It's taking actionable and, and standing up for the people you're being an ally to when it counts is, mm -hmm. is probably the best way to be an ally. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's difficult for someone that doesn't feel they're directly part of those minority groups to know what to say, when to speak up, how to say it. Correct me if you disagree, but I think it's acceptable if you're someone that's wanting to become an ally and be proactive in speaking up, but you don't know what to say. I think it's acceptable to do more listening and understanding, be a sponge to that community so that you gain some context and perspective, which ultimately will lead to more confidence when you do have exactly. chances to speak up and be an effective partner or ally. Would you, do you agree with that? I agree with that hundred percent because myself being somebody who feels very inclusive to everything, have there been moments where I'm like, oh, I don't understand maybe what's happening or certain things or, or why certain behaviors could have been deemed uninclusive just doing the homework and you start to see like, oh, this is why, like, I totally get it. And sometimes it could be just an act as simple as excluding somebody from a conversation, even if it wasn't uh, done intentionally, can make somebody feel discriminated against or left out, regardless of was there any intent behind that. So right. it's, it's just like, it goes back to that, just understanding of what are the behaviors or what can I do? It'll just take you to a better place and taking the good step forward and being in the and I think tying all this to the theme of our conversation with imposter syndrome is if you're trying to be an ally, you don't feel like you are a direct person that's part of those communities, but you want to be an ally. It's okay to experience a little bit of imposter syndrome. Oh, I don't want to go to this people of color community group because I'm not a person of color. So I have nothing to say. I have nothing to add. I don't have anything that resonates with me. It's okay to think that, but at the same time, you have to be confident in yourself and still believe that you can be an effective ally. And if you, if that's something that you want, you absolutely can. Even if today in this moment, I don't have a lot of direct contributions because you will. And so that's my two cents there as someone that is not 
typically part of minorities. Um, something that I tell myself when I'm trying to be an effective ally, but I don't know how, being confident in the fact that I will be as long as I show up. 100%. And I can, I'm a witness to that. I, I've seen you join our women coffee chats. And when we join our monthly pride coffee chats, there's always just heartwarming to see an ally show up, especially people have said, like, I don't know everything, but he's like, I, I don't have a problem with anybody who's LGBTQ and I just want to learn more and be supportive. And it really changes the dynamic of the group and it, it, it creates that sense of belonging and acceptedness and, and the fact that there is allies out there willing to do the work. It's always 100% appreciated. And yeah, so you're doing a great thing, Dan. And we're telling people to do great stuff is, there's, it can never hurt to be an ally. <laughs> Appreciate that. Well, Renee, I like to ask every guest a fun question. If you were to look back at 20-year-old you and that older version of yourself could see you today, what's something that 20-year-old Renee would be proud of? I needed to trust the process and also accept that everybody's journey is different. Because I think when I was younger, I would, I was always, I felt I was always bright and intelligent, but my career path was slightly different. I I took a little break in college before going back and finishing. And I, I used to be very just down on myself at times for that reason. But now I feel like, no, like this was all part of the journey and like things happen. I know it's a cliche, but things do happen for a reason. And my journey was different for whatever reason that may be. But it, I didn't have to understand that. What I know now is that I trusted the process and that everything ended up okay. But also that I was always working hard to get to where I wanted to be successful. So yeah, it's, it's more of, hey, you're doing a good job. Pat yourself on the back and keep working hard and you'll get where you're going to get. Mm -hmm. I love that. So such good perspective on yourself. I'm a firm believer too that as long as you're working hard and you're intentional with what you're doing and you're trying to be strategic to reach your goals or to make impact that you feel like is important, then even if you experience setbacks, it's going to help you grow and learn to develop in a way that's going to help you get where you're going. And that's in anything, that's in work, that's in relationships, that's with friendships, that's with financial gain, that's all the different elements to life. That could be with your health, whatever it is. It's something that definitely, I think, can be allocated to all the different buckets of life. I think another thing to add to that, I'm sorry, would be like, don't be scared to invest in your mental health. I think it's so stigmatized and I feel that's another call out. Yeah. Are there any mental health resources that you recommend people look into if that's something that they've never done before? I really would just say people might feel like, I feel like I'm fine, but I feel like we can always talk to a professional about anything, even if we think we don't have a problem. Just exploring. But if you're on the fence, I would say one thing that worked for me to help make steps in the right direction in that department where meditating and taking walks help us mentally. And I think just knowing how beneficial those things to were to me, I, it really opened up my perspective. And maybe I should talk to somebody for certain things, whether it was because you're feeling a certain way, you're just dealing with a certain problem. But there's just so much stigma that I just feel everybody should just do the work, take their time, check in on themselves, because we're always just go, go, go. And, you know, sometimes things fester up and build up internally. And sometimes it's just as easy as that. Absolutely. Well, Renee, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. I think this has been such an impactful conversation about a critical topic that so many young people and other people experience all the time. If folks are interested in learning more about your story or strategies and things that you're involved with, how can folks get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, follow me on LinkedIn. It's under Renee Dominguez. You should be able to find me. <laughs> there are not too many out there. 
but yeah, happy to connect you with people in this space if you're interested or share more of things we do, tips and tricks if you're interested in DI. Networking is very important. I know Dan has done several great podcasts on this, but yeah, follow me there. And also don't be scared to do some of the work. I did my imposter syndrome workshop and webinar with 403. They're another great women-owned company to link with if you're interested in hosting a sort of workshop on this. Yeah, I'm always happy to help and pay it forward and be a resource for everyone. Awesome. Well, I'll be sure to include all your information in the show notes, Renee, so that folks know where to find you. But thank you again for being on the show. Such a great conversation. And uh, I will talk to you very soon, my friends. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And yeah, we'll be in touch.